Well, I want to welcome everyone to Emmanuel. How you doing? Pretty good? Excited to be here? Awesome. Excited to be here as well. Uh, if you're a guest with us here today, we are in a series called Reboot. Sometimes you need to shut things down, do some updating in order to make it better. And so uh, sometimes I like to begin with a quote that I've come across that uh, has impacted me. And that's kind of what I, how I want to start today. This quote's by Margaret Mead. Check this out. She said that never underestimate the power of a few committed people to change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Powerful quote. Small group of people that has changed the world. Think about your favorite movie for a second. It's probably something like, I don't know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or something like that. Maybe not. Maybe it's Rocky. Any Rocky fans out there? Favorite movies? Maybe it was, you know, uh, something like Harry Potter. I don't know. I don't know. Something like that. Or Lord of the Rings. Anybody? The Hobbit? Like those? Uh, am, I, am, I, am I guessing right at all? Uh, okay, I'm way off. Um, what about Dumb and Dumber? Okay. <laughs> Harry Lloyd, you know, great movie, right? So, so if you think about your favorite movie, and maybe I didn't get yours whatsoever, there's usually a, a main character who's trying to accomplish something significant, like throw the ring into Mordor to end evil or kill Darth Vader or somebody like that. You know, Star Wars is, have you seen the movie yet? Have you seen the new one? pretty exciting, yeah. I won't spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it, but you know, there's, there's this evil guy that you're, they're trying to kill, and there's a main character, and it's kind of like that in every story, and, and, and it, it takes more than one person, even though there's a main character, even though there's one significant person there, there's usually a group of people around that character, right, that are trying, that are helping or assisting or making it possible for that person to achieve whatever it is. Like, there's no way Rocky Balboa beats, you know, uh, you know Apollo Creed without, without, you know, his coach, you know, Mick, you know I mean, right? Do you remember that, that old, too old? Have you seen Rocky? Okay. There's no way he does it without his wife. There's no way he does it without, you know, his core, you know. There's no way that these things happen without, like, nothing significant gets accomplished on our own. You agree with this? I, I, I believe this statement 100%. You think about the disciples of Jesus, right? It's a small group of people that Jesus says, hey, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, Right, and 2,000 years later, here we are, and there's, there's 350,000 churches just in America, right? And it's just that little group of people that Jesus, you know, said, hey, hey, here, I got a mission for you. And they go out, and they change the world. Relationships are a powerful thing, aren't they? We, we live in a world that, 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 uh, that is connected relationally. Tom, Tom Rath wrote a book called Vital Friends. Vital Friends. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. But he worked for Gallup. You've probably heard the Gallup polls and everything like that. And he did a lot of research on them for 12 years. And in uh, one point in his career with Gallup, they, they gave him this project to study why some people pull out of homelessness and others do not pull out of homelessness. Interesting study. And so he went to work, and what, what he discovered was fascinating. He see, basically he said this in the book. He said, the men and women who remained homeless for decades had something in common, a lack of healthy friendships. They were more friendless than anything else, and being without a home was just the most obvious and visible part of their plight. He would go on to explain that those who were able to somehow pull out of homelessness was because there was an individual person, sometimes two, that went out of their way and made huge investments and began to put faith and confidence in that person 
and help that person to believe again that they can overcome homelessness. Relationships are so huge in our lives. He, he was so convinced of the power of relationships. In the book, he would go on to say this. He would say, remove relationships from the equation and everything disappears. Everything disappears. Everything significant that's been accomplished in our world has been accomplished by a group of people, a small group of people. Relationships are huge. You know, we're, in this series, we've talked about the, the idea that God has invited you into a partnership with himself. And basically, he said that, uh, hey, if you will partner with me to do my will on earth as it is in heaven, that's the story that you find yourself in. Like, you and I are not the main characters of this story. We've been invited in to partner with him to fulfill his will in this world. And that's why our prayer that we have, that we pray, that we're supposed to pray every day, is God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the main way that we, if you were here last week and the previous week, the main way that we do that is simply by becoming the right types of people. That, that, it, that who we are is more important than anything else in our lives, our character development. And so that's, that's what we're really talking about. We're really talking about becoming the right type of people so that we can fulfill God's will on earth. And there are good works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. In fact, that's why Jesus came. He came to, to die on the cross for us, to wash us from our sins, to make us his very own children so that we could be totally committed to good works. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. And you know, the process of becoming the right type of person, a Christ-like person, a person who demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit, like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control, that, those, those qualities, that's difficult in our world today. It's difficult for at least three reasons. It's, it's a challenge. The first one is our culture, if you're taking notes today, our culture. Our culture does not help us to move towards Christ-likeness, does it? Our, the values of our culture, the beliefs of our culture, they're not, they're not assisting us to produce the, the character of Christ in our lives. They're actually going against that, aren't they? In fact, if you want to become like Christ in our, in our world today, you have to swim against the culture. You have to swim upstream. And that's why the Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 12. He says, do not conform. Do not be molded or shaped by the pattern of this world. See, this world has a pattern. It has a, a set of values. And if we're not careful, we'll get swept up into that river and we'll, be, we'll become just like the world, the world system. And so we, we have to battle the culture. And then, then we have to battle our enemy. The Bible says if you're a person of faith, you have an enemy that's dead set against you. He wants, to, he wants to devour your life, and he doesn't want you to become like Christ, and he doesn't want you to partner with God to fulfill his will on earth as it is in heaven. Listen to what Peter said. He said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the what? The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to mess with. Is that what it says? No, he doesn't want to mess with you. He doesn't want to toy with you. He wants to devour your life. He wants to ruin your reputation, your character. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants your kids to end up you know, being unproductive members of society. He wants to tear your life apart. So when it comes to, you know, hey, I wanna, I wanna be a fully devoted follower of Christ. I wanna become like Jesus on the inside. I wanna partner with God to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. We've got the culture to fight against. We've got our enemy to fight against. And then we have ourselves to fight against. <laughs> I remember a quote, I can't remember who said it, but says, if I were to kick the person responsible for most of the problems in my life, I wouldn't sit down for a week. <laughs> I'm the problem, aren't you? See, if I didn't want to sin, temptation wouldn't be an issue. 
Hold up, let me say that again, because some of you didn't get it. If I didn't want to sin, temptation would not be an issue. If you didn't like sin, if you weren't bent towards doing the wrong thing from the birth canal, (laughs) right? We're like cars out of alignment. We just go the wrong way. If you and I weren't broken on the inside, we wouldn't have a problem. When James is talking about temptation, like, like who's to blame, like who's responsible? He says, look, don't blame God. Watch this, James chapter one. Temptation comes from you. Comes from your own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Like who's the problem here? Sure, we have an enemy, the devil, but the devil would be powerless if we didn't want what he was offering us. Do you agree with this, yes or no? The only reason he's effective is because we actually want what he's offering up, right? These desires, they drag us away, and these desires, they give birth to sinful actions. See, once all, that, all those emotions are stirred up inside, the next thing is to act, to bite, to taste, to take, to do. So when we talk about becoming partners with God and living in the will of God and performing his will on earth as it is in heaven, we've got some big obstacles like the culture and, and our enemy and and ourselves to overcome. Thankfully, God has given us some incredible tools to overcome these challenges, to become the right type of people. One of those, and we're going to talk about today, is relationships, is people. We're talking about rebooting our relationships today and the context of becoming the right type of people so that we could be great partners with God to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. That's the context that I want to talk about relationships through. I don't want to talk about relationships because through the context of, hey, it'll make your life better, or hey, you'll be happier, or hey, this, you know, your life will, the quality of your life will go up. That all might be true, but that's not why I want to talk about it today. I want you to become a great partner with God. So we talk about rebooting our relationships today. See, in your notes, I believe this wholeheartedly. God uses human relationships to shape the kind of person you become. It's absolutely true. He uses human relationships to shape the type of person that you are in your heart, your character. Think for a moment about the type of person that you are. And be honest. Be honest, okay? Not the type of person you would like to be, not the type of person that you wish people think you are, right? You do all the filters on Facebook so they can see your best foot forward, not, not, your, not the Facebook you, okay? We're gonna do a whole series on social media in the future, I can't wait. <laughs> not the Facebook you, but the you. Like, think about you, what you're really like on the inside. Well, what am I talking about? Your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions, because that, that's what makes you, 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 your character, your soul, the parts of the soul, your thoughts, your feelings, and your will, which is where our actions come from, right? When someone's actions are bad, when someone's actions are inappropriate, like a husband who cheats on their wife, the wife will say, I don't like him anymore because he is unfaithful. What is she describing? What is she describing? His what? His what? His behavior, his actions. His actions are a reflection of what? Of who he is. He is an unfaithful man because of what did he do? He cheated on his wife. You see what I'm saying? So we got our our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions. They make up who we are. Now think about who you are. Don't live in denial. Don't deny who you are. 
Just own it, right? Where's it? Now, now that you maybe have a clearer picture of the type of person that you really are, how did you become that type of person? Now, I know and when I ask that question, there are a lot of factors, a lot of factors, right, to why you are unorganized or organized or insecure or very secure or you're a pushover or you stand your ground or you tend to exaggerate and lie or you tell the truth or whatever type of person that you are. There's lots of factors to, to why you are the way you are. But isn't the primary factor, and I would argue that it is, the type of people you have had around you for all these years. Isn't it? The parents that you had, the friends you ran with, the best friends you chose. Haven't you become who you are because of the people in your life? Haven't you learned how to think and feel and act based on the people that you've been around with? See, I believe you have. I believe you have. I believe that God uses human relationships to shape the type of people that we become. Now, that's not an excuse to blame them. We're still responsible, yes? We're still responsible people. We can't say, well, see, the reason I'm this way is because of my father. Well, you might, that might be true, but that you still have to own it and be responsible to change, okay? You can't just use that as an excuse to stay where you are. People shape us, I understand that, but that's not an excuse. I just want you to feel that, feel the weight of that truth. That is a massive truth. And it works for the positive and the negative, if you're, if you're taking notes. This truth works for the positive or the negative. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. If you look into the Bible, this truth, is, this truth is found in at least four or five different places. Let me just show you a few. Proverbs chapter 13. Whoever walks, lives, that's what that word means, lives with the wise, becomes wise. They actually change. Like, I, go for, I can go from a, a foolish person, a naive person, to a wise person by hanging out with some wise people. Why? Because they rub off on me. Well, the opposite is also true. The companion of idiots <laughs> goes to jail. I mean, you could just put it in modern terms, right? See what happens there? They rub off on you. The people you run with always change you. Does that make sense? Listen to how Paul said it in the New Testament. He said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Don't be fooled. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Now, when we talk about the morals of a person, what are we talking about? We're talking about this quality of their character. We're talking about the type of person they actually are, not the way people view them or how they're perceived, but the type of person they actually are. If I hang out with bad people, their bad morals will change my morals. They'll ruin my morals. I'll actually become a different person with different morals because of the people I was hanging around with. I'll give you a kind of a, an illustration here. It's a little bit messy. This is, this is I, I just because I want you to remember this, this is... I'm not going to tell you what this is. But this is, how, this is literally how relationships work. I'll tell you what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, a big jug of chocolate syrup. <sighs> this is how relationships work. I can't wait. I can't wait. You when you get into a relationship, and what I'm talking about, I'm talking about your core relationships, okay? There's all types of different levels of relationships. I'm talking about the best friend ones. This is, but this is how best friend relationships work. I'll take my ring off here, so there we go. Boom, yeah. That feels so awesome. In fact, I want to do it again. Now, this is a really messy, tasty 
illustration. This, this is it right here. Like this is, this is, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but we'll figure it out. This is how relationships work. Did you notice that not all the chocolate got on me? There's a lot left in the jar, but some of it did. Did you notice that? And the deeper I go into this, the more of the chocolate's going to get on me. Not all of it, but some of it. That, listen, you have to acknowledge the fact that this is how it works. When I get into a relationship with a person, no matter how much I try not to let them influence me, they, some of them will get on some of me. Yes or no? Now let's try to fix this. This is going to be kind of messy. Oh boy, that's real messy. We'll have to get a third towel for the rest of the services. If you don't get that, you missed the talk tonight. You missed the whole point tonight. God uses human relationships to shape who we are as people. When, when I looked into Tom Rath's book and I, I kept reading, uh, he talks a little bit about how powerful this truth is. He, he actually says in the book, he says, if, if your best friend has a healthy diet, you are five times as likely to have a very healthy diet yourself. <laughs> this is a really fun sermon. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, that's, he, he says, it appears that your best friend might just shape you in a more literal way than you've ever imagined. <laughs> Did you get that? It's fantastic. Five times more likely. If, you're, if your best friend has a great diet, right? You look at some married couples and they just look like each other. They just kind of look like each other, you know? <laughs> same size, same shape, you know? Why? It's their best friend. They, 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 just, they just, thoughts and, and emotions and, and, and habits, they all just kind of rub off on each other, right? Just one back to another. It's powerful truth. It works for the positive or the negative. Jim Rome said, you're the average of the five people who are closest to you. It's just the way it is. That's why at our church, we try to say, hey, get in a group, get in a small group. You just heard, you know, the announcements. Get in a group. We got group signups. What, what are we trying to do? Are we bored at church here? It's like, I don't know what to do. Oh, let's do small groups. Is that why we do it? We don't have enough work? We, we, wanna, we want you in a small group because of this principle. You know, it's not 100% guaranteed that, you're, that it's going to work. Some of you have been in a small group before and you hated it. <laughs> it's not 100%, but what we're trying to do is increase the likelihood that you'll get around people that have said, I want to become like Jesus. And I want to do his will on earth as it is done in heaven. And so we say, hey, get around some people like that. Be in intentional relationships. So here's my question today, and then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap this thing up. How do we leverage this principle? How do we leverage this principle, this truth, to help us become like Christ? Like, what's the most, what's the most effective way to do that? You ready? Number one, be intentional. Be intentional with this principle. What do I mean by that? First thing you have to do is decide that you are going to become like Christ. Because here's the truth, and you might want to write this down. This is in your notes. We attract who we are. We attract who we are. The type of person you are, you're going to attract people just like that. So you have to, number one, be intentional with your decision to follow Christ. Do you really want to be the type of person who is demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit on a consistent basis? Do you really want to partner with God to fulfill his will on earth as it is in heaven? Do you want to become the most effective partner you can be with him? Yes or no? Well, that's being intentional. First and foremost, you have to start with yourself. See, some of you haven't made that decision yet. See, some of you are the problem. Some of you are the people that are the problem people. <laughs> 
That's okay, you're in the right place. I was, I was once one of those people. I was once one of the kids that the, my friend's parents said, would you please get away from him? <laughs> I was that kid. Some of you were that kid. I could point at a few of you. But then you've decided, no, 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 I'm not gonna be that person anymore. I wanna be the positive influence. I wanna be, I wanna be like Christ. I wanna, I wanna live the abundant life, the life that Jesus has to offer me. So number one, you gotta you know, be intentional and start there. And, and then, so what you're doing there is you're setting the standard. You're setting the standard for, for, for what you're not going to uh, settle for in your relationships. If you want to be like Christ and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, now you're going to start to pick friends that are headed that same direction, right? Because now you understand this principle. If I want to become like Christ, i got to get people in my life and my core. Remember, we're talking about the core friendships. i got to get people in my core who want that same thing. Okay, and so, because they, why? Because they're going to rub off on me. They're going to they're, they're shape me. I remember when I first went to, uh, to Liberty University, which I transferred there uh, from, from New York University because I found myself as the only Christ follower on my basketball team. I was, I was in New York City. I wasn't, and I, I slowly began to drift back into the value systems of, that, that I was trying to get out of. Then I transferred to Liberty, and I met, this, met, met some amazing people that wanted what I wanted, to become like Christ and become godly men. And, and guess what? They began to shape me. They began to mold me. And I said to them, guess what? We're going to be friends. One guy's name was John Humphreys. Another guy's name was Jay Thompson. I mean, these, these, these men shaped who I was for three and a half years at Liberty University. I just got around them. I invited them into my core. So what I'm saying is set the standard of what you want your friends to be by saying if they have to be willing, they have to have made the decision to become like Jesus Christ. Be intentional. It's amazing what standards we use today to, 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 make, to have best friends. Uh, oh, she's cute, or he's got a nice car, or they're popular, or they have a lot of followers on Twitter or Facebook. I want to be around them. Like, what standards do you use to judge whether or not, uh, you know, you want to be best friends with somebody? Here's one we all use, and, and we, we like to say teenagers do this, but we do this as adults, too. They just accept me. They like me. <laughs> and so anybody who comes along and accepts us and likes us, we're like, oh, I want to be your friend. Because you like me. Really? Is that the barometer that we use for friendships? Acceptance? That cannot be. We have to, we have to set the standard a little bit higher than that when it comes to our friendships. Why? Because God uses human relationships to shape who we become. Listen to what King David said in Psalm 119. He said, I am a friend of anyone who fears you, anyone who obeys your commandments. Now let's, now let's let that sink in for a second. What if you use this standard, these two standards, to decide whether or not you're going to let somebody into your core? Somebody who fears God, that, what that means is lives in awe of God, worships God, right? And somebody who obeys God. What, what would happen to your friendships? Some of you are like, I wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> now, let me just speak to that really quick, okay? If you're a younger person or older person or whoever, whoever, what age you are, I think this applies to all of us. Very important. No friends or few friends are better than the wrong friends. That's deep. Let me say it again. Some of you didn't write it down. No friends or few friends are better than the wrong friends. Why? 
Because if you get the wrong friends in your life, and they're in your core, bad company corrupts good morals. Friends of fools suffer harm. I'm going to be shaped by them, their thought processes, their emotional pro- their emotions, and their behavior. They're just going to rub off on me. It's just going to, some of them is going to get on me, no matter what you do. Yeah, but I don't have any friends. Okay, that's fine. You have, you have Jesus. No friends or few friends are better than the wrong friends. Be intentional, number one. Number two, number two, lead them, lead the relationship, and if they don't want to follow, cut them off. Lead, change, if they don't follow, cut them off. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is very simple. Take the relationship, if now you're saying, man, I, this relationship is, is not headed the right direction, and this person doesn't want to follow Christ and doesn't want to fulfill God's will on earth as it's done in heaven, and, and I do. Okay, well, what you have to do is kind of shift the relationship. You have, to, you have to say, hey, this relationship needs to change. Like, we need to make Jesus the priority in this relationship, this friendship. Like, and what does that mean? That means that he's going to be in charge. That means that he's going to call the shots. That means that everything we do in this friendship is going to honor him. Okay, maybe you're in a dating relationship or you're engaged or, or something like that. And you're saying to the other person, we have not been honoring Jesus in this relationship. We haven't even considered his principles and how we relate to each other. When it comes to our choices and our entertainment, what, what we do for fun and what we laugh at and all these different things, we don't even think about Jesus in the context of this relationship. Okay, lead the change. Go and have the conversation. And if they're like, you're crazy. Like, I'm not gonna follow you. Like, that's ridiculous. Did you go here? Did you join a cult? <laughs> I remember when I broke up with my, my girlfriend in high school, I said, I got saved. Jesus is, my, is number one in my life now. And if you want to stay dating me, we're going to have to change up some things. She said, you're crazy. I'm out of here. <laughs> that's the way it goes. She didn't want to follow me. She didn't want to honor Jesus in that relationship. It was one of the best things that ever happened for me, Right? And if they don't follow, cut them off. Now, that sounds harsh. Cut them off. What do you say? Get them, you know, I thought the vision of our church is to reach people, not run from people. <laughs> we got their names on the stage here. We're, you know, we're all about people. You know, Jesus loved people, hung out with sinners, right? I don't mean cut them out of your life for good. I mean push them out of your core. It's a very different thing. Don't shun them or stop talking to them or unfacebook them or whatever it is that you do on social media. You know, I'm talking about pushing them out of your core, out of that spot where they're the key influencers, the shapers, the molders of your thoughts and your emotions and your actions. And some of you are still thinking back, yeah, nobody influences my actions. Right? Why do we do that? It's so silly. Like, I am my own person. Right? Nobody's like that. We are all shaped and molded by the relationships in our life. What I mean by cutting people off is pushing them out of the core. Listen to what the psalmist says. First book of Psalms, first chapter, first verse. Happy or blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor take, uh, or, or take, sorry, take or sit in the company of mockers. Very simply put, this person is happy. This person is blessed who simply says, if you are not going to walk in the paths of God, in the principles of God, if you're not going to follow God and obey God, I will not walk with you, sit with you, stand with you. I will not be best friends with you. You may stay in my life on the fringe level, 
right? But I'm not going to cut you off completely because I want you to know Jesus. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut the relationship off. We're just not going to be best friends. I'm not going to share my deepest thoughts and hopes and dreams with you. And I'm not going to ask counsel for you when I need to make decisions. And I'm not, I'm not going to do, we're not going to hang out on Friday night. We're not going to do those things because you have simply decided not to follow God. Do you agree with that? See, this isn't, I'm not preaching at you. This is just the word of God showing us the path. Lead change. Sometimes you can be successful in changing the relationship. But let's be honest, many times you can't. In his book, Necessary Endings, which is a fantastic book, Henry Cloud uh, talks about, listen, listen to the subtitle of this book, The Employees, Businesses, and Relationships That All of Us Have to Give Up in Order to Move Forward. Some of you are like, I need that book. What's the author? Henry Cloud. Go to Amazon and get it there. Listen to what he says. Fantastic quote. He says here in chapter one, without the ability to end things, people stay stuck, never becoming who they are meant to be, never accomplishing all that their talents and abilities afford them, should afford them. Let me read it again because it's so powerful. Without the ability to end things, people stay stuck, never becoming who they are meant to be, never accomplishing all that their talents and abilities should afford them. In the book, he talks about a rose bush. He said, you're, basically, your life is like a rose bush. And if a rose bush is going to produce these beautiful bloom, blooming roses, they need to be pruned, and they need to be pruned often. And in the pruning process, he said, there's, basically, there's these dead, dead uh, buds that need to be chopped off. And then there's these other buds that are sick, and you've tried to water them, if you try, you've tried to get them you know, to come back to life, and it hasn't worked. He said, those are the ones you need to cut off as well. In order that all the energy can go towards creating beautiful blossoms. Basically, he says, if you're not willing to cut off those relationships, again, not completely, just out of your core, if you're not willing to push those people out of your core, you will never become all that God created you to be. You will stay stuck. Now, I know when I talk to a crowd this size, I know that there's a, a good number of you that you're thinking, man, I got that. I know. I got that person in my life. I know. I know I've tried to change the relationship. They won't follow. I've invited them to church. They won't come. I've tried to lead them towards things of God. They don't want it. And I'm still in this relationship, and they're holding me back. They're holding me back. And you have let them. And you're stuck because of this relationship. You cannot become all that God has created you to be, the person, and you cannot do all the things that God has created you to do because you're stuck in this unproductive relationship that needs to be pruned back. I'm talking to you tonight. And you know what you need to do. And I know it's hard. You say, why do you always have to talk about hard things? Why don't you talk about something fun? Look, I love to talk about fun things. I do. But here's, what I, here's my job. My job is to like pray and say, God, like, what do you want your people to hear? And every time I pray that prayer, which is often, and other people pray for me to hear God's voice on that matter, here's what I hear God say. Talk to them about what will help them change so that they can walk in my will and become the people that I created them to be. That's why we talk about hard things. We talk about cutting out relationships. We talk about being intentional. We talk about rebooting your finances, rebooting all your health and fitness. These are hard things. Why? 
Because God has created you for a purpose, to fulfill his will on earth as it is in heaven. He has invited you into a journey with him, to partner with him, to do incredible things. That's not gonna happen by default. It's gonna take some work on our parts. Two questions to close with today. Number one, who do you need to spend more time with? Who do you need to spend more time with? Who in your life has said becoming like Jesus is the most important thing? And yeah, they're not perfect, and maybe they're a little quirky, and maybe they're a little odd, and maybe they don't dress that cool, or maybe they're not real popular. But you know, and that, that dude, that girl, she, she's straight. Like, she just wants to honor God with her life, and he just wants to honor God. With, I need to spend more time. How come you haven't been spending more time with that person? Who do you need to spend more time with that's going to help you become the right type of person so that you can be the right type of partner with God? And then number two, here's the tough one. You ready? What relationships do you need to change? What conversation do you need to have with that person who's holding you back? And when will you have it? Hey, Jesus needs to be the focus of our relationship. We need to honor him with our relationship. Let's shift some things. The things we laugh at, you know, it's really, really we laugh at things that are inappropriate. We watch movies that are really inappropriate. We do things in this friendship that I don't think, I don't think they make God happy. I honestly, and I've wanted to say something for a long, but I haven't had enough courage. But then I listened to my pastor, he gave this talk and I think our relationship needs to change. Well, I don't want any of that. Okay, well, then I need to distance myself from you. Because what I want to do with my life because what I want to do with my life, listen to me, is partner with God to do the very thing He's called me to do. And you're holding me back from living the life that God's called me to live. I only have one life. I only have one life, I can't let it, I can't waste it. It's short. I only have so much time, I have to do what God's called me to do. And if you're not gonna be with me on this, we have to, I have to push you out of my core. What relationship needs to change? And what, what, is gonna, what am I gonna have to say or what are you gonna have to come to see in order to have that conversation? Are you gonna have to go to a funeral? I went to a funeral this week. I saw how short life is. I saw somebody that died prematurely. I'm reminded at funerals that, oh my gosh, every day is expensive. I have to focus. I can't be haphazard. I have to use my time right. Like what has to happen? God uses human relationships to shape you, the type of person that you're becoming. Why? So that he can get a partner out of you, to bless somebody, to be his hands and his feet in this broken, hurting world. That's the story you find yourself in. And we want to reboot our lives in light of that story. What relationships need to change in your life? My hope this week is that you'll, you'll meet in your small group, and, 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 and if you're not in a small group, man, we're doing sign-ups today, okay? You sign up in the back. We're going to launch our small groups in February. 
my hope is that you'll answer these questions and you'll take action. Because that's what God asks us to do, to take action. Let me wrap up by talking very frankly about being in a relationship with God. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. It's quite, it fascinates me that God would reach down to this earth to people who have said no to him and want nothing to do with him and still extend grace and mercy to us. In John chapter 15, I just got to share this verse with you and then we'll wrap up. This is, this is, these are the words of Jesus himself. He says, look, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's. Say it with me. Why did he use that word? Why did he use the word friend? He says, there's, there's no greater way I can demonstrate my love for you than to, than to stretch out my hands and, and, and allow people to put nails through my wrists and my feet and, and, and crucify me. Like there's no, there's no grander way I can communicate to every single human being that I love you. And then he calls us his friends. You know what's fascinating to me about Christianity? It's, it's not a religion. It is not a religion. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth to set up a religion. He came to this earth to create friends. Friends that would live for him, live with him forever in eternity. And that starts right now. Did you know that eternal life starts now? on this side of heaven, not when you die. It's life with God at the moment of faith and then forever in the future. Friends, the invitation of, that, that Jesus gives us is not come join a church, it's not come join a Christ Christianity versus the Muslim faith or the Hindu faith or some other faith. It's not, that's not, the, that's not the, the, the offer. The offer is will you be my friend? Will you walk with me? Will you live with me? Will you love me? Will you let me guide you? Will you let me be your shepherd? Will you let me satisfy you? Will you let me fill your heart with love and my joy? Will you walk with me? Will you talk with me? Will you be with me? See, that's what the offer is. Some of you, you've never heard it put that way. And perhaps today is the day where you, you say, I want that. I want to be in a relationship with God. I want to be a friend of God. Well, guess what? Jesus made it possible. He laid down his life for you. He died for you. He paid the penalty for your sins so that you can be in a relationship with him. And when you put your faith in Christ, that relationship begins. If you'd like to do that right now, in this very moment, you say, right now? Yeah, absolutely, right now. Right now. You close your eyes and bow your heart and you say to Jesus, I want to be your friend. I believe you died for me on the cross. I, I, I believe it. Come into my life and make me your, your child and Forgive me and cleanse me. And right now in this moment, based on God's word, not mine, you will become his child. And if you'd like to do that right now, boldly, reach out in faith, close your eyes and bow your head. Just say this to him right now. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you laid your life down for me because you loved me. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me your child. I'm putting my confidence and my trust in you to be my Savior and my God. I want to be your friend today. I want to live with you, love you, talk with you, 
walk with you. Fill me with your spirit today. Give me wisdom to walk through this life with you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just put your faith in Christ, our church would love, absolutely love, grab, let me grab it real quick, to put a one-year New Testament in your hands. Today I talked you through some quotes, but most of what I showed you today was God's word. Here's why. Because it's God's word that's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces down into the, divides the soul and the spirit and the joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of our thoughts and our intents. It's powerful. And when you read it every single day, God begins to search you out, teach you about himself, teach you his ways, his will, teach you about his heart. And so if you pray to receive Christ today, there's tables in the back of the auditorium. Some, for some of us here in the, at the Greenwood campus, they're back to my right and left. Go back there, tell them that you pray to receive Christ, and they'll give you one of these Bibles for absolutely free. Let's give God glory today for what he's done. Who do you need to spend more time with? And what relationship needs to change? God uses human relationships to shape the type of people we're becoming. It's absolutely true. Will you leverage that principle? Or will that principle kick your butt? That's really our choice. That's what we're talking about today. I hope you leverage it so that you can become like Christ, become an effective partner. Let's pray. God, thank you for inviting us into, the, into your story. Help us to uh, leverage this principle, Father. To be intentional about the people we're becoming and the people we surround ourselves with. God, help us to lead, lead the relationships that we're in to change. And if they don't change, Help us to distance ourselves from those folks, still loving them, still keeping them in our life, just not allowing them to influence us at the core level. Give us that wisdom today. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak on your behalf. I hope you're, I hope you're happy. I hope you're smiling. And I hope you're honored. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend.